College basketball fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall. I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some March Madness college hoops. And we had a great weekend, no doubt about it. It is the most wonderful time of the year. I queued it up a lot better this week, so that's nice. Um, we're obviously going to start with the recap from a wild weekend. We saw, you know, another number one seed go down, something we hadn't seen, you know, ever up until Virginia and now Purdue. We have two examples of it. Um, and, you know, multiple number one seeds, more than just, you know, one number one seed out. Um, Princeton not only pulls an upset, but then says, actually, we're in the Sweet 16. Um, some really great games uh, that, you know, went all the way down to the stretch, like Kennesaw gave Xavier a hell of a ride. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, like, that Florida Atlantic-Memphis game, a lot of fun games, a lot of fun games. So we're going to recap, and then, of course, we're going to preview and predict the Sweet 16, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight games, we don't go all the way to the championship on this uh, podcast just yet, of course. So we'll be doing that in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it up radio. Uh, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope it up and download the show directly there if you don't want to. You can find this College Ball Show under the rope it up radio podcast on Apple Podcasts. IR Radio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com and Sports News 24. One more thing, get your TV together without the hassle of cable. Stream the best entertainment and sports starting with 75 live channels for a limited time only. Save $120 for the first year when you get any package and you buy the direct feed streaming device there's no annual contracts no hidden fees plus learn how to get premier channels included for the first three months with qualifying packages sign up today that's direct tv stream all right let's bring in my co-host marshall as we break down what happened in the first two rounds um of the most wonderful time of the year and it definitely did not uh disappoint Unless you're, you know, a couple of these teams that got beat. High seeds, yeah, I should say. I, yeah, I get, I get, yeah, that's fair. If you were a Purdue, uh, Purdue fan, um, if you were uh, a, a Duke fan, like, I mean, there's a few. But the tournament itself, and I guess I've heard a couple of I would of say things. Arizona and Kansas before those two uh, would be a little down in the dumps. Oh, yeah, 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 throw them on there. Yes, that's true. Um, and I've heard, I guess, a little bit of social media saying like that, uh, I was listening to like my Vegas pod and they're like, well, they're like, what's the backlash social media this year? And like, the only thing those guys thought of is maybe the fact that like 75% of the games went under, like, and if that's the case, so be it like that. That's the only reason that maybe like, if I guess on a, one of the days of this week, they, the unders went two and 14. So unless you were strictly an under better or excuse me, an over better, or one of your teams went home packing, um, man, what a great, great tournament. Uh, the fact that, like we were just saying before the show started, a 15 seed is in the Sweet 16 now for the third year in a row. Um, that, that the first time that it ever happened was eight years ago. And up until that, like I was uh, telling my friend Chris, you could maybe pick a 15 seed, maybe like early 2000s, late 90s, maybe pick like one, and you might hit it like maybe once every three or four years. Like it, it had happened. It happened to Carolina. I remember it happening to Missouri years ago, Arizona, years ago. Yeah, Villanova, I think, too. Yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. very – But they, didn't, they didn't get to the next round. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but I, I got to start my opening rant with uh, Purdue – and Fairleigh Dickinson University, who, again, due to the weird NCAA rule, and not that anyone in hell knew, but Fairleigh Dickinson didn't even win their conference. But it was the crazy bylaw of 
if a team wins their conference and they just moved up to Division One, they can't go to the postseason tournament, which makes no sense at all for college football and college basketball, but it is a rule. And Merrimack did win the conference, but since they're not eligible, since they're a newer D1 team, Fairleigh Dickinson walks into the playing game. They destroy Texas Southern. That was never a game. Yeah, like that's well, just yeah. Seen, those first two games on that first night was like, eh. Um, and, and I, they had the swag, and they did, and they 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 came, they marched into Purdue, and man, that I mean, you could just see Chris from the way that team was playing. There was no fear. That did not feel like that was some underdog, un, unbelievable story. Like there was two stretches in the second half where Purdue didn't score for three minutes or four minutes. Like this fairly Dickinson team that was full out effort, but I, I really felt like you could feel that they felt like they were in the game. Like, sometimes in college basketball, if you just kind of watch, you can kind of just, just tell of, like, a swagger or a confidence the team has. And if you had not – if you had not seen the jerseys on the teams and were just watching a game, or if you took the seedings away from us, a random basketball fan, oh, what kind of seeding match do you think that game was? I bet people would have said, like, an 8-9 or a 7-10. Like, there was no inch given at all. And – the fact that Fairleigh Dickinson was the shortest team in D1 this year, the shortest basketball team in the country. There's and a you lot of D1 down. teams, too. <laughs> There's 365. And you knock out the one team who has a potential player of the year who is a one Man, I, I could keep going on. I'm going to let you do it, though. But what a fun game. Hats off to them. They battled their asses off last night, too. That is why you love college basketball. And, man, that's a tough one for Purdue who's now gone out to a 14, uh, 13, and 16 in the last three years. Ugh. Yeah, that that's that's rough. Anytime, I mean, we've only seen it once prior, and it didn't even happen all that long ago, and for it to happen again, it's like, wow. You know, we, we talked about how, you know, there's legit – what was that? There's legit, like, eight, ten teams that we felt like, you know, could really um, – could really got a chance to at least get to the final four, but at least six to eight teams, maybe even ten, maybe twelve, you could think, hey, they got a chance to win the chip this year. And even though the way we picked, um, we did pick some upsets, some of them went through, some of them didn't. But I don't so our picks kinda told us some stuff's gonna happen, you know? But I don't think we were talking about enough of the crazy shit that can happen too, not just, Hey man, this field's wide open. The whole thing was wide open. I mean, that, that really proved to be true. And, and you talked about the Purdue game and you broke it down really well. That Princeton game too, 59, um, just some other close calls that, that Thursday as well. Um, San Diego, San Diego, there's a lot of background noise right here. Uh, San Diego State, uh, almost, you know, they, they barely got by, but then you had Furman beating Virginia, which that, that was close there to have that, that, that lineup of 13 and 12 against each other. That was really, really close. Um, that would have been crazy. So what a hell of a first day. Then the second day, you know, to start out with that Purdue, Pitt does its thing against Iowa State. And like I said, Xavier almost goes down to first time uh, ever at the tournament, uh, Kennesaw State. Um, I mentioned in the opening that Memphis-Florida-Atlantic game was one of – I think that was the best game or one of the best games in the first two rounds. Um, and, and probably that TCU-ASU as well. Those last few games of that Friday night were really entertaining. And there was kind of a moment where there would be maybe two or three games in a row where you're like, ah – no upsets, it's kind of chalk, and actually that wasn't that close of a game. But then they just go the other way. And maybe they're not upsets, but they're still, like TCU did beat ASU, but it was a damn good game. Um, so that opening Thursday and Friday, man, that was uh, that was a whole lot of fun. I mean, no doubt about it. Even Vermont started out pretty good against uh, Marquette. Shit, Grand Canyon did okay against Gonzaga for a while. Um, that wasn't like some kind of blowout from you know, the opening tip. Drake was right there with Miami. They gave them a battle. So, yeah, man, that those first two opening, uh, you know, days were, were, were just a blast. And kind of coming into the weekend, 
um, you know, on Saturday, kind of started out, well, not kind of, you know, you had both number one seeds on Saturday, Alabama in Houston, pretty much handled 81 to 64, 73 to 51. I did think Maryland would show up a little bit more than that, but obviously that wasn't the case. Um, but then the very, then we got another number one seed, Marshall, and this is Arkansas, Kansas. And Arkansas, although, you know, we've been saying all year, we've been kind of reminding ourselves and folks, hey, this is a good program. Much like Michigan State, they're just not showing some good stuff, you know, consistently throughout the year. And it had them in a, you know, not a great spot. I mean, obviously they were in the 8-9 game. So, um, you know, once that started going and it was a tight game and you're looking, you're like, man, you got an experienced coach. And this could happen here. And even when you go down to uh, Penn State and Texas, Penn State was, you know, they were scrappy, Marshall. They were hanging around trying to make that a tough game. And, you know, it was kind of a run, like I'm saying. You know, two early games that were kind of crappy, two games I just mentioned. Then UCLA – UCLA Northwestern was a really good game, 68-63. That Duke-Tennessee game, you know, Tennessee ran away with it at the end and ended up, you know, beating 65-52. But um, I don't know, man. It, it, it just kind of, like, it was just it was just kind of a wave of good games on that, on that Saturday right in the middle because although the Princeton-Missouri game wasn't a good game, you wouldn't think, the, the team that won by 15 would have been Princeton. Um, San Diego State, to their credit, did bounce back and have a good, you know, you know, game, like a blowout against Furman. But that run between Arkansas, Kansas, Penn State, Texas, and Northwestern UCLA, that was a fun little run on Saturday. Yeah, it really was. Uh, I thought that UCLA, they took care of business. I, um, I know a lot of people were nervous about them because the injury bug has hit that team and they did lose their best defender and their center's been banged up. But it, it is strictly surviving advance at this point, and they survived. Um, Kansas, on the other hand, didn't survive. Uh, you know, you can say the head coach is out, which is a knock. Like, obviously, Bill, if Bill Self had been there, I'm sure that that would have given them a, a benefit. But injuries happen for players, and sometimes health conditions happen for the coaches. Obviously, you hope that Bill Self is okay, but um, and I don't think it's a serious medical condition, but it was enough to keep a guy who I guarantee wanted to be there out from the team. And I read a, a perfect summary on ESPN that talked about how Arkansas just like bully balled them and just beat them up down low. Because the whole year, you pretty much really heard that, okay, Wilson was like the, the big for Kansas, and he's their guy. And Arkansas is kind of like a little more of obviously like a fast up-tempo team. And they're not really a huge inside team. They like to shoot threes. But they, Arkansas found out that if they drove to the lane, they were going to get fouled and they are going to make free throws and win the game. And obviously in the first half, Chris, though, if you watched the first half and turned it off, you would have thought that KU was going to win. Because yeah. KU was up cons- pretty much consistently had a seven-point lead, give or take. It's basketball. But for the whole first half. And then the second half, Musselman and his guys got a little more physical, like I said, attacked the paint, and, and they made the free throws, which, as we've seen in this tournament, making free throws is not always a guarantee either. I, I believe the free throw rate is a bit down, too. They said that the – I know this has been one of the worst – actually, this has been the fifth worst three-point shooting tournament since, like, the 80s. I think it was, like, since 87. So this has not been a year to watch threes, which probably explains why the unders have been cashing. But and there's also been some teams that miss free throws because making free throws this time of the year when the pressure starts cooking is not that easy. But nonetheless, Arkansas did pull it out. Um, UConn, who uh, was playing Arkansas, I, I watched them play yesterday. They were a, a bit sluggish in the first half, but they did kick it up a notch. Um, I thought that St. Mary's had an excellent year. I did think they'd make this to the Sweet 16. UConn was not a right matchup for them. Uh, but UConn took care of business. They were down. They were up one at half. UConn wins by 15. Uh, so that was a, a pretty good performance. And to flip to the east bracket where, I mean, we could – you could almost do a whole damn podcast on what happened here. Um, F, okay, so FDU beats Purdue. 
Incredible. Awesome. Great story. But hey, they're a 16 or 15 point dog to FAU, who is very lucky, Chris, by the grace of God's Memphis didn't get a timeout called. Watch that game. Just rewind for one second here. Memphis and FAU were playing that first round. Memphis was up one. They had the ball on the court. It was a loose ball. It was like a stripped after a steal. And a Memphis guy appeared to fall on the ball. No FAU guy near him at all. The, the whole bench called timeout. Two players called time. You see guy on the court. Refs don't give it to him. They call it a jump ball about two seconds later. FAU gets the ball off the jump with the five seconds to go. Drives into the lane, makes the layup, and wins. Man, if that timeout's given, whole different story. But nonetheless, that's it's aggressive you- play too. Instead of settling for a shot, he's like, "Well, I'm going to go all the way then." Yeah, and, and, and to to Memphis's defensive fault, they let him. It was a, almost mm-hmm. a, a too easy of a layup. But it's like they didn't know it was coming. Yeah, he was like, yeah. "Okay, I'm going, I'm going." Yeah, yeah. So the no jump ball that bites Memphis in the butt, but FAU wins and. Now, FAU, who obviously probably thought they had that game in the bag, um, Fairleigh Dickinson was a bit slow in the first half. But, man, I watched the whole second half of that game. What a fun basketball game. If you if you watched that and weren't into it, then I, I'm sorry, March Madness isn't for you. The the crowd was going crazy for him. And that was pretty much a a a three-point game, give or take, either way. Um, FAU would throw a punch, FDU would answer back. And that up until with about three minutes to go, Chris, F, FAU was fighting off like it was the David Goliath, and they were doing all they could. And FAU, they got a little bit tired there at the end. FAU does survive. Uh, they're able to win in the uh, make it to the Sweet 16. And they play a Tennessee team who took out Duke, which I always appreciate. But the, the I guess the surprise there was Duke's, like, top-notch, like, and some people call these guys, like, NBA first-round picks, just didn't show up. Um, Lively, which I've heard on some ESPN people saying he's, like, a top, top pick. Dude didn't score. Philip Kowski disappeared. And a Duke team, which had been trending hot into the tournament. They destroyed Earl Roberts. Everything's going good. They, I, I, they, they struggled to score. And I'll tip my cap to Tennessee, Chris, and I'll throw this back to you. I ripped on them all year because I said it's hard. It's going to be hard for Tennessee to make a deep run. I was wondering they, how you were going to switch out of it. <laughs> they have their offensive issues. With that being said, they knocked down if, some shots. Not a lot if, of them, <laughs> but they did. But if you if you can play some killer defense and hold a team like Duke, who had been hot to fifty two points, hey, a t- it, it, they got two down. They got some more work to go. But hands, hats off to Tennessee for making it. Um. And maybe the Duke talented players, maybe some of that freshman experience showed, and I would be saying this about any other team, hell, Carolina, in any any freshman class. Like, they're a very good good bunch, but maybe some of that freshman DNA just got up to them a little bit because I don't think many Duke fans, Chris, expected to lose by 13. The whole world bet them on Saturday. So Vegas made a lot of money. But hats off Tennessee. Man, I did you watch the second half of the FAU-FDU game as well, my friend? Uh, no, I didn't get to. Thanks for putting me on the spot on that. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get to actually watch the whole thing. I was at work, so oh, I man, watched highlights. Some of it, insane, but I to, insane. You know, I didn't. I didn't get to watch possession of possession. You know. Sure. But thanks for putting me on the spot. I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in in just to kind of, it's funny when you're talking about that. Uh, that, so there's this thing called there's this link uh, stats by will. Okay. It's this is March thirtieth. Um, I mean last year I should say, and they were talking about because it was two thousand twenty-two, but they were talking about the 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 two thousand twenty-two NCAA tournament is possibly the worst offensive tournament in modern history, and here's why, right? And then this guy and other people did. I didn't pay a ton of attention to it per se. But they did actually, I'm not going to say project this offensive struggle, right? But they sure. did say, like, three-point shootings down this year, just a variety of stuff, and all of a sudden you start to think defensively. The reason why I brought it up is because you said Tennessee, right? There are some teams that can defend, and they just can't score uh, at a high level. I mean, Virginia is one of them in the last chunk of years that they've done plenty of that. 
they ended up losing. But um, so it's it's you know the whole if anyone's gonna judge like an over under thing because the, the unders like that's that's just stupid to me because that just means you know you, you should have done your homework more one I guess and two you're betting you know so it's like you know gambling's gambling dude you're gonna have some great weeks you're gonna have bad weeks that is True. crazy that that many went under but obviously it was a theme. And, you know, will this theme kind of continue if you look at, you know, the overall stats? Um, Ken Palm, like there, there is some of this data that has been pointing the last few weeks or so, um, adding up the whole season, of course. But some, some that I don't think I, I paid attention to it strong enough. I just kind of put into the pot of the old equation in the formula. But now that we're here, it's like, damn. You know, we, now you don't want to go over the top and, like, pick a bunch of just, well, they play better defense, so I'm going with them. But, you know, because that's the thing. You don't really need – one if you got two really good defensive teams. Well, then it just comes down to who knocks down a shot or two because it's not like Tennessee was, like, you know, crazy, you know, hit 18 threes or something like that. But they hit shots and Duke didn't, and that was a big part of that. Um, just wrapping up Sunday – Izzo does it again. Izzo coaches him up, knocks out a team that I had thought had Final Four potential all the way. I really did. Uh, Michigan State getting it done. There was a, those first two games, TCU Gonzaga and Michigan State Marquette. Those were fun, and I did get um, to see a good chunk of those. UConn, man, you know, very up and down this year. Had a, a really long, you know, they, they had a, God, how many wins did they have? It was like, Seven I think they won twelve, or, or they it was. Or, I mean, I think they started the year almost like twelve and one, and they're because they got up to second in the country. Right, but you know, I mean, some of those are going to be non-conference giveaways. Sure. I'm saying once yeah. we got to the, that's why they stayed in the uh, same with Tennessee and some other teams. By the way, that's why they stayed in the rankings or would get up there quicker because of those early, the early part of the season. If you beat a team and you're like, hey, we beat Alabama or something, you're like, yeah, well, that's going to keep you around, but. Fuck, what was I saying? I just, I totally lost what I was saying about that. Oh, UConn. You know, I wouldn't have seen them come out. And, like, St. Mary's a quality club, but I didn't think they'd just do what they did so far. Now, who knows where they go, but there are some teams that kind of, UConn, Michigan State, Arkansas, there are some teams that, you know, Creighton kind of down the stretch was kind of all over the place. Like, there's just some teams that just kind of got their shit together at the right time, and uh, that's what it that's what that's what counts. But the the, the Creighton Baylor, you know Baylor, you know, once again a team where you go, well, they do have an injury. Is that going to bug them? Um, Creighton handled their business. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I did think Pitt had a good chance to beat Xavier, but Xavier got it done. They, they had a good year, and then they had a major injury. They're able to get over the hump. We'll see if they can continue. But you know, the knee-jerk thing is like, well, shit. Who's the better defensive, you know, team? But you can't necessarily do that. You know, as we get into, um, you know, the, the Thursday tip-off game, and it's actually tipping off at five thirty, not six o'clock. By the way. <coughs> I think to kind of just wrap up our defense point that does tie in the tournament, I think you really do see, Chris, and this is like a little more depth X's and O's that I can even probably tell us straight at times, and we don't need to like necessarily go into it, but you do see how there are coaches who have programmed their team to run a certain offense, and that whoever is subbed in, like hell, I'll even say that if uh, at FDU, like their their motion offense, people were moving up. Uh, Princeton, I hate saying it because um, they cost me money on Mizzou. Princeton's offense is well strung. They had open threes effing religiously that whole game. But then you also see teams who have, you can tell, they have their two go-to players, and that is their offense. So I think sometimes why you get into tournament play is you're not playing your same common people, and Sometimes teams who maybe have the go-to stud, well, if your go-to stud gets locked up, what is your offense? And that's why you see these droughts, these teams who can't score for three minutes, can't score for four minutes. Hell, what? what? Like, 
and that that's a perfect point because hell, Princeton didn't let Arizona score for the final four and a half minutes of that game. Arizona has two very talented seven foot bigs and a couple of guards who shot threes like at thirty percent to forty percent the whole year. Like you can't tell me that Princeton has more future NBA talent or college talent, but they're a better coach team. So like that Tommy Lloyd guy in Arizona, like dude, I I, I know there's multiple variables of it, but like you got exposed. Like and so I think that is kind of that ties in the factor of and and some of the best teams in the country, you have your one or two NBA lottery picks and they carry your ass for the whole year. But come tournament time, if he's hurt, if he's in foul trouble or he's struggling, what is your strict half court offense? And some of these teams honestly like don't have one. And I know that every team has a half court offense. Like I'm not stupid, but some of them are like it's like a DNA in the team, Chris. And some of them are like, dude, give twelve ball, give twelve the ball, give sixteen the ball. If twelve and sixteen can't score, uh, good luck. And I think that kind of ties into the lower scoring games and some matchups. Speaking of low scoring, we were talking about that Duke 52 points. Um, it tied the fewest points in um, program history. The last time they scored 52 was 1980 against University of Pennsylvania. Wow. I was wondering. I knew that was the one. I'm like, whoa, what the hell? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's pretty crazy. Um, So, yeah, this is uh, any other items before we start to get into to the picks here? Because, uh, we, you know, we got some interesting matchups, no doubt. Any, any items that you want to talk about? or The only thing else I would have to say is, hey, props to the Big East. I've, I've backed them all year. I love watching them. you got three teams in the three teams in the Sweet 16. That's pretty damn good. And another year where the Big Ten, you got a great all-over conference, had a pretty shitty tournament. Like, you have one team left. Like, what happened? And that one team is Izzo, who, hey, so, hey, props off to him. But another year for the Big Ten where – you have eight teams make the dance, and you have one survive the Sweet 16 that's like, huh. So did all those teams make it? Obviously, you can go on those X's and O's forever, but it's kind of been a common theme where there's eight or nine teams that make the Big Ten, for make the tournament from the Big Ten, and you're having one or two make the Sweet 16 out of the eight or nine. It's like... These last two years, that's exactly yeah, what Yeah, it's been, been a little rough, but... Well, it's funny, because the first round it wasn't besides Purdue. It was five and three. They were five and three. And I thought, huh, wait a second. I wonder if Indiana, I wonder if Indiana, or if I wonder if you know, like. But the once Purdue went down, I'm like, okay, well, that okay, that, that kind of takes out a sixteen right there. That's going to be tough <laughs> because you know a lot of them were in the second round. A lot of them were pretty large underdogs, you know. So you're like, okay, well maybe someone could knock off something or, huh? But once Purdue went down, I, the five and three was nice early, but because they did yeah. win some, I didn't think they'd win, but. Once Purdue went down, I'm like, man, I, one, maybe two, you know. And, I, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't have guessed Michigan State over Marquette. You know, I wouldn't have guessed no. that would have been the one either. So, but you do have a uh, Izzo in there. So, you know, like you said, I mean, that happens there. What, what else do we got? We got, uh, yeah, I mean, two of the number one seeds out. Um, so the top two, so in the, you know, that's that is interesting. What other what other conference did really well then? I mean, obviously uh, the the Big East I would say did the best. Um, you know, and and hey, well to tip the cap, the Big East has three teams in, and so does the SEC. Tennessee, right, yeah. Arkansas, Bama. Like, you know, I, I think that pretty much the whole the year ball. we were talking Big Twelve. And Big East, and then the SEC and the Big Ten were kind of like at a tie for yeah, third. They only have two. The Big Twelve only has two. Yeah, depending on how you moved it around, you know. But yeah, a tip of the cap to uh, to Bama, Tennessee. Like again, I didn't think Tennessee would do it. Arkansas, they were pretty much ranked ninth or tenth in the SEC for yeah well, the last down month of the season. Their standards, I mean. Yeah, but you, you turn it on when it mattered, and that must, man, he ripping the shirt off that that dude is something. But um, hey, he's a good he, he he pretty much he seems to be one of those like tournament coaches. Like he he he, he gets it. His his team come yeah. tournament time, it's like they they raise it up a new level, different than what they did in the regular season. Uh and then besides yeah, and you that, have Princeton, San Diego State, 
I mean, technically Houston still, because they're not in the Big 12 yet. Florida Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Now, Florida Atlantic was one of those teams um, that we just – we mentioned at the start of the – our you know, in January of like, hey, these are the six non-power, you know, conference teams that could make it. But down the stretch, you know, I didn't even – I don't know. I, I didn't think they they actually get to the Sweet 16. So definitely got to give them – Definitely got to give them credit. San Diego State, obviously, being another one um, from the the Mountain West. And hey, at least the Mountain West, uh, you know, had a better showing uh, than they had, you know, previously. True. Yes. And actually, let's that would be a, a great place to start. And that actually that takes us to the South. So we're we're going to go um, uh, in the South like we normally do. Alabama does play San Diego State. Side so is a one in five seed. It's on uh, TBS at 5.30, as my co-host said. Um, and then the other game in the South is the Crates and Princeton. So, for Alabama-San Diego State, um, complete polar opposites. Like, out of all the final matchups, like, Chris, this is about as different as you can get. San Diego State's going to want to slow the game down, make Alabama work, and keep it probably in like the in the 60s. I think if, if it's in the 60s, that's probably a a, a score for them they can enjoy. I, I, if you see San Diego State, they did outscore Furman 75-52, but San Diego State's offense ain't gonna run Bam out the gym. So if you're an Aztecs fan, you want a very slow game because you're playing a team in Alabama who's gonna want to jack up 33s a game. Um, I do think that the athletic superior talent will trump San Diego State. I do think maybe in the first half they keep it close, Chris. Uh, but I think that there's too much offensive talent, and San Diego State does not have that Kawhi Leonard or someone because you ain't going to shut Bama down for the whole entire game. You, your Bama's probably not going to keep it in the 50s, you would say. So I would lean towards Alabama in the top half of the South. What about you, my friend? So it's just a lean. It's not like a full-on, you're not all oh, into it? I'm Okay, I'm picking Bama. Right, there you go. Yeah. Take, take on, and roll time. Right. They've been uh, they've been on a roll here. I mean, I, I, pretty much every team that's still alive is on a roll to an extent. But uh, both teams have, no doubt, San Diego State, you know, was kind of juggling with the lead up and down all around those to- top four teams. But then they, they established themselves down the stretch. And Bama, you know, they had their little, eh, you know, well, they had some off-the-court stuff that was kind of strange, obviously. But um, I just think that, you know, they can defend as well. They, they can play in that type of game, I think. And I just think, like you said, talent, especially Miller, I, I do like Alabama fairly cleanly. But either way, I, I definitely like Alabama uh, to get the dub. I'm right there with you. Yeah, and Alabama is a seven and a half point favorite. I would I would lean towards a seven and a half. I think that that's obviously a line they deserve and respect, yeah. and I, I would I would venture to give that line to them. All right, the second game we bounce down to Creighton versus Princeton. I really hope Princeton doesn't take out another team I like. Uh, I gave Arizona props all year. They beat them. They beat Missouri, who I've always cheered for. Now they take out my Final Four picks. I hope that doesn't occur. Um, now. I uh, again, the theme has been unders, okay? Because people like to bet overs this time of the year, and, and defenses have been a little bit better. But um, this is the game, Chris. I would like the over. The over is one forty because I think this is a matchup where you have two teams that are good shooting teams. Neither team is necessarily like elite defensively. I think that Creighton plays solid defense, but it's not like high caliber. And Princeton, they've just been shooting lights like against Missouri they shot incredibly well and Arizona they they just hit the shot like they're a well-tuned team like they just you can tell that their coach has done a hell of a job and he's getting the most he can out of his athletic potential because it again it can't match it didn't match Arizona Missouri or Creighton but they're alive and those other teams aren't um I do think that this is where the journey ends I do think that Creighton's a just maybe an overall more well-rounded team, and obviously this is my bias talking because I've watched them all year. But I, I just don't think that this Princeton team can knock off another dog. Like I think that it, they're gonna if they want to get into a three-point contest, I think Creighton takes them. And Cockbrenner, who is the big uh, for uh, Creighton, 
I don't know if Princeton's got a guy that can really necessarily match up with him. So I'm clearly looking at this through like the Creighton goggles. Um, but I do think the journey ends for Princeton is a great run. I just think that from what I saw from Princeton, the way they beat Missouri, I don't, if you play that way against Creighton, I don't think that they could be able to pull off the upsets. I will take the Blue Jays from Omaha to win that game in the bottom half of the South. Well, there's not much more I can add to that because you, you definitely <laughs> detailed it really well. But I will say I do think maybe not pins and needles in the last minute of the game, but I actually do think Princeton's going to hang with them maybe more than even the spreads. Well, more than – I'll go – I would take Princeton with the plus number. I do think that they'll battle them down the stretch because you could say, well, you know, now they got four days to scout. That's true. That's true. I mean, sure. you know, it is what it is. I mean, so did the Arizona, right? They had four games too, right? Princeton yes. Played the plan. So, um, but I do, I do like, you know, I do like them. Not, they're not going to win. But I do think – it feels like it's going to be like, well, this is going to happen again. Like, this is this, – I do think that that, that – I, I feel like that's going to be a highly graded game based off of that. In fact, uh, this is the – since they turned the games into CBS slash TV – you know, TBS, TNT, True TV, since they turned that, which has been a while now um, – Remember back in the day, we'd just have a computer open, and they'd be streaming them. First, it was just the stats, right? You could just watch the stats, and then they, on CBS, they just plan, you know, space out the games enough for where you get the last five minutes of every game or whatever, um, if it was tight. But then it started, started turning into streaming games and all that. But my point is, this was the best opening weekend since they went to cable and CBS, so that was kind of cool. But I do think. That you know the Purdue upset was the biggest uh, rating on cable um, during the first two rounds too. That's why I'm bringing this up. But I think Princeton's going to go all the way down within the last few minutes. I think it's going to be some. Okay. This might happen, dude, and then it's not going to happen. And with that, with what you're saying, then you would take Princeton. They're plus nine and a half. Yep. Okay. I'm go with that. Yep. And then I like Bama. To uh, move on past uh, past your, your your final four pick, and I I gotta back my final four picks. I will take the Creighton Blue Jays to make to the final four. And is that solely ten. just back, or you think it's? It could, I mean, obviously, uh, it could happen, but. I mean, yeah, they'll they'll probably be like a, a, a four to five point underdog, I'd imagine. Oh uh, yeah, like uh, are you maybe gonna bet against them, maybe, but just so you can either have your prediction right or you can. Get the money, or I, I, I do think that I think that Creighton can win. Obviously, I think again, hell, when when they play teams like Marquette and Providence, and like a lot of teams in Big East, kind of are more of an Alabama like team. Like they like to, especially the better Marquette is a version of Bama, just not as good of a version. Like they love to jack threes, so Creighton's seen it before. Um, I do think they can hang in there. Um, I the only thing that scares me about Creighton is only like six people deep. So when you play a team like Bama, like and if one guy gets some, it's just like I know that very few teams, Chris, are like deep in college, but Creighton is probably one of the most shortest depth bench rotations of the teams remaining, and I, it just like I think they get by Princeton, but against Bama, like man, it's almost like you need to have seven, eight guys, not just like six. So um, I hope they pull it off. I'll be betting them. I'll be taking them. Um, and I obviously got to pick them for the final four, so I'll take the Blue Jays, but that they'll have their hands full for sure. Um, as we shift down to the east, uh, FAU takes on Tennessee. Um, FAU, I doubt many people thought they would make it there, okay, but they did. Um, and the Tennessee Volunteers, who I've ripped on throughout the year in not too harsh of a way, but pretty much said, hey, you have a great defensive team. Every but your week offense- you shit on every single solitary <laughs> But your offense may limit you. But, hey, they, they beat Louisiana. They beat our adopted Raging Cajun football team from college football. They beat the Raging Cajuns 58-55. And they beat Duke 65-52. So, clearly the defense is locked in. Losing that uh, point guard Ziegler wasn't a huge downfall for them. Uh, so, for this matchup, FAU-Tennessee, um, I, man, 
this is this is a a, a good one. Uh, FAU, I believe, probably now probably has the most wins in the country because hell, they were they ran the they went thirty one and four in the regular season, so they're thirty three and four now. Um, thirty three. Thirty. Oh yeah, sorry, thirty three and three. Uh, well, they're about to be maybe. <laughs> is that like? Was that a, a slip there, a fraudulent slip, or you're like, okay, I just gave my thing. I am kind of eyeballing this game, i got to admit. Yeah, uh, ten, Vegas has Tennessee as a five-point favorite. Um, oh, God damn. I, I, if I had to make a bet, I would bet FAU, because, hell, you, you, beat, you beat Memphis, who I would say is just as talented or defensive base as Tennessee, you, you took down the David and Goliath matchup, um, and I, I think that if they want to, they can run a half court game where they can play up tempo. Like I think they kind of showed both because the Memphis FAU game was a very good defensive battle, and the Fairleigh Dickinson game was kind of like a second meet track, a second half track where the team scored like over eighty five points in the second half. So I think they've shown both ways, and they do have a stud in Davis. So. I'm going to lean – I'm going to I'm gonna find a way. I think FAU is able to cover – yeah, hell, I'm taking FAU. I, I think that defensively they'll do enough, and this will be kind of like an ups, obviously an upset pick for a nine seed to make the lead eight. But I think Tennessee's uh, defensive issues catch up to them here. And, yeah, I'm just going to r- ride the hot hand and take the Florida Atlantic former Lane Kiffin Owls. I – um. I so badly want to go seven and nine here. I just do, but I don't think it's going to happen. But like I said, I I am eyeballing that FAU, and it's just like, I mean, why can't it happen? You know. Um, but then again, you know, the the same debate I would make for the you know the Kansas State Michigan State game, Michigan State. In couple games, I'd be like, wow, if they play like this, dude, they're going to be fine. And then they go up to, like, the second or third in the Big Ten, then they fall back down. And, and Tennessee just never really hit their peak once the regular season conference play was going. And you're just like, huh. Like, I don't know. It, does, it Especially this year, you know, like anything can happen type stuff. Part of me does want to pick that, but I got to say, like, I don't want to go both. So I am going to – I'm going to go right there with you. Tennessee loses, but then I have Kansas State um, beat Michigan State. I do think, though, that I'm calling for an overtime game for Kansas State and Michigan State. I, Ooh, I like Kansas it. State. I, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a tight game. It's a pick 'em type game. Like I, I think Michigan State's favorite, actually. No, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they, Michigan yeah, State's favorite. minus two. Yeah. So this is like if we feel like, you know, this shit could happen, it's kind of like, damn, why not pick them both, you know? But I, I guess I'm going to chicken out, and I'm going to go Kansas State. Um, maybe it's because I've just seen them uh, win against better teams throughout the year. Maybe it's the guard situations. Maybe it's the coach. I don't know, you know, but I do like Kansas State there. So I'm going to go uh, – the Owls and the Wildcats in the uh, Elite Eight. And I will take the Owls and, oh, man, I'm with, ah, Jesus. Yeah, because K-State does have a better resume. But Michigan State looked, God, they looked pretty damn impressive against USC and defense and Mar- and I'll, I'll, four days to Izzo, too. I mean, Jesus yeah, I'll, I'll, or is it I'll five? Take, is that Friday? Uh, four. Um, I'll take Sparty and FAU, and I will take Sparty to advance. Yeah, Sparty and FAU and Tom Izzo to return to the Final Four. Ah, that'd be great. That would be, that would be, that'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I got Kansas State going too. Uh, okay. I got Kansas State winning that game. Beautiful. I, I just, I, you know, I, sometimes you get biased, you know, towards a team. Um, and that may be the case, but I just think Kansas State is just the the better. Well, obviously they're the best team, but yeah, you say they're the best team, but they're not even favored to win this game. So I mean, amen. Are they? You know. Um, so yeah, I do have Kansas State moving on to the to the final four. So we have uh, 
I got Bama and Kansas State. We got to write this shit down. Okay, we can't be messing around. You're right. You're right. So yeah. All right. And then as we shift shift up to the Midwest, <clears throat> this was about as chalk as you can get. the uh, The four seed did not survive, so Indiana did go home last night. But it's a one and a five and a three and a two. Like oh, so. There was some craziness, as we know, but there's also some chalk, too. So, Houston takes – Xavier takes on Texas. This is about as damn good as you can get. These should both be great games on um, on Friday. Um, starting off with Houston, the one-seed, five-seed Miami. I think this game entirely is on how healthy is Houston because Sasser exactly. – Everyone says is their best player. He's been playing with a, a, a pulled groin. They asked him after the first game, round one, which held. They did not beat up Cleveland State. They that one was close, probably closer than they wanted it to be. Um, they said it was like a, he, he said it hurt like a seven out of ten. Normally, when athletes say something hurts, you always get the cliche three or four. That dude's gutting it out. Um, so, and then uh, Ghent is another one of their sub players, and his knees hurt. So. If Houston can heal up, I think they can beat Miami. Now, Miami, on the other hand, has their center, who's been hurt. But he also played um, that same night Purdue went down against Indiana. So Miami is not quite a full strength. But, I, Chris, I, if if Sasser and I believe it's Kent or Gent, I, if, if they go, I think they're a superior team. But, I mean – because three days off, that's not gonna that's not gonna help out a a seventy percent hurt yeah. groin. I man, I it's so hard to predict, obviously, because that that guy is like he's their stud. Yeah, um, you gotta see him the first couple yeah. of to really feel it. You know. To so know. I'm gonna lean Houston because he did get it out against Auburn. They looked pretty good against Auburn. He played yeah, a good chunk of the game. Um, he's so young. He's young. You know, a lot of yeah. these youngsters. You know, they can find a way. So, and now for for the on-court matchup, Houston's obviously a very tough, talented, physical team. Calvin Sampson's had a, a hell of a good run there with those players. They're battle-tested. I mean, th- this team is now s- s- same as being said for Miami. And La- Laranega, like we said in the podcast last week, he finds a way to make the Sweet 16s when people never really talk about them. They're like the one ACC. They're not Carolina. They're not Duke but or Virginia, but hell. His tournament record is just because the rest of those schools. And they basically got winning records against those teams. I I know. So, uh, but I'm going to lean Houston if players are healthy. If the two studs are not healthy, it would not shock me at all if Miami to go down. For the game itself, I think it's a fun matchup. I lean Houston. And um, I'll go to Xavier Texas. I'll throw it to you for your two. Um, Can you not break that one all the way down, though? No, actually, I'll, 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 I'll let you. No, I'll let you take Xavier in Texas. He's going to get going about off my Xavier Big East team. Yeah, I'll let you do that one, brother. Thanks, man. Um, so I got Houston, but that is a tough one. I think it's a really good matchup, but the fact that For sure. they did look good, you know, like you said in the last game, Auburn's not a killer, but they're not chumps. They just never really got the ball rolling this year. Um, but that said, they did, you know, they did end up making the round 32, so they're not, they're not chumps. But, um, yeah, another four days off. You're right. That, that, that injury is weird, man. With basketball players, that, that's a weird injury. Um, and that's kind of the only thing holding me back from not like 100% being confident they're going to win. But I, I just think that, like you said, the coaching, both of them, I, man, if he's healthy, I'm not. I, I'm not going to pick too many damn all the time games here, okay? Because I'm going to get over the top of this stuff. But I really think that these two games in particular that we're looking at in the Midwest, um, I really, I think this is the most competitive, and just it'll be the funnest games. Uh, like different styles, maybe sure. But I, I am going to go with Houston. I'm with you. I mean, shit, we got to get another number one seed. Just in general, right? We gotta gotta have that going. So I got Houston now. Xavier, Texas. You know, I would pick Xavier. Um, I'm not gonna say hands down, like it's it's gonna be. Oh, they got it, you know. And credit for Xavier, who you know 
is missing a key clog um, for them to get this far. You know, I, I think it's – I mean, they're, they're definitely battle-tested. Um, they'll score with you, no doubt about it. Uh, I think that's the problem. They're not necessarily all that great defensively. Um, but they'll score with you. And as we know, we've been saying all you know, year-long, Texas can play in a variety of ways. Um, and they've been hot down the stretch. And they are starting to shoot the ball, knock on wood, <laughs> a little better. Remember the other week we'd be like, oh, two guys <laughs> up to this. Now they got two guys that can maybe shoot the three. I'm not calling for 17 made threes. Um, but I, I, I do like Texas just to grind this game out. The versatility, the whole, you know, the, the what I assume will be the new coach. Um, I mean, it'd be kind of silly not to make the new coach. If they don't hire him, good Lord. Hello. And the players are responding to him. Seems like a pretty cool dude. Um, he definitely seems maybe a little more intense, um, but maybe not. You know, I don't know. Than the, than the guy, well, he, that guy's obviously pretty intense. You see how the hell, you know. but he knows how to, you know, straighten it out and, and you know, make it, okay. I got. Let me unravel. I'm running around. I gotta stop. I, I, my mom raised me for the most part. Okay, so I'm not trying to make fun of anything. Okay, but to me, Texas, not just battle tested, but the different styles that they and we talked about it all year. Yes, the outside shooting, but hey, who the fuck's shooting that great from the outside this tournament? We just went no over one. the offense, you know, the last two years, really. So, yeah. hey, why not? You know, so I got Texas to win, and I got Texas to go to the Final Four. I already got it written down on the piece of paper. I got the Texas Longhorns going to the Final Four. That's all I got for you. In a hell of a game with Houston, by the way. Well, if we're going to hear Texas is back, I'll, I'll take it on the court instead of football. Because football, man, be hilarious. It, they, it, it gets they, tweeted every back. year. Oh. Forget Texas it. is back for football. Oh, or, oh no, sorry, basketball. Um, <clears throat> this one's tough because Xavier is not a great defensive team, but they will score, and they'll score a lot, um, just like they did against Kennesaw, and just like they did against Pitt. Even missing their top guy, it doesn't matter. They're <clears throat> score. Yeah, they're going to score. So how much – and again, man, Texas is such a goofy team because they've cashed plenty of overs and plenty of unders. Um, <clears throat> if Texas slows this game down, I think Xavier's in big trouble. Like, because they're like they 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 do have a, I think a solid half court offense, but they like to they like to keep it up going. They like to score in the mid eighties to win. They're kind of ball for Xavier, and Texas is probably going to stop them on that because they're good at defense. But good lord. Um, I, if I'll, I'll take Zave, I'll take Xavier. It's not a confident pick. This one might be a little more heart. Um, I think I'll say this. If it's a high scoring game, Xavier can win. If this thing's in the sixties and Texas makes it a half court style, Xavier's in a shitload of trouble. That's just not a Xavier win in the sixties ain't happening. And again, to give them credit, Texas is showing you that they can run up and drop 80 or they can keep it in the fifties. Like that's a, it's been a very weird weird team to follow. But I will hope that's a high-paced game uh, and Xavier wins. But then I do think Xavier's run comes to an end as Houston beats Xavier for mine. Houston advances the Final Four. So I have a Houston knocking off the Musketeers. And my co-host has Texas beating Houston. And to swing down to the last bracket as we wrap up our Sweet 16 Elite 8 predictions. Again, another – I'm going to call this pretty damn chalky. You have a 2, 3, 4, and 8, but the 8, the eight knocked, off, knocked off a 1, and this 8 is not a joke. Like, that was a, that was a tough draw. Um, Arkansas against UConn and got Gonzaga versus UCLA. I know my co-host just said that the, the matchups in the – Midwest may be the most competitive matchups of the final of this weekend. You could also argue that this conference is just as strong. Like you could flip a quarter. Like the, these games are also going to be very competitive and fun. Um, Arkansas versus UConn, and I'll let my co-host start off with Gonzaga UCLA. They're probably closer on the odds. Just to, to your point. Yeah, uh, 
UCLA is minus two. Yeah, they're closer UConn's on the minus odds three than, and a half in the Midwest. So <sighs> for Yukon, right. Arkansas, man, I'll say this for my quick analysis: like Yukon, I believe has a higher ceiling than Arkansas. If both teams play their A games, I believe UConn will win. Because for we see yeah. this again, the way their year started and how it ended. It's like they're like 13 of their last 16 or something, too. Yeah. You, you got like the true like East Coast guards. You got like the – it's like it just kind of has that old Big East vibe. You got the crazy coach. And you got a and big also, no girl. like a fourth seed or fifth seed or eighth seed, that's the year they win the chip, you know? Uh-huh. And you got a big and snow go. So Arkansas, they were able to drive on KU, beat them up down low. UConn's got some bigs, and snow goes a, a a big ass tough dude. You, you ain't gonna be dunking on him. I'm not saying they won't score on him, but UConn's probably a little more interior defensively based <coughs> uh, than uh, Kansas was. So again, I just think that the, the the checklist benefits UConn, but the part of one of the reasons why I love the sport of college basketball is you ride momentum. In Arkansas, you took care of Illinois. You upset KU, which was a hell of a game. So you you you're, you probably have just as much swag as UConn does right now. But with that, yeah, I'm just gonna, I got to lean Utah, Chris. Like I said, I just think that they're a more complete overall team. UConn, not UConn. and they've shown it throughout the whole year. So I'm leaning Huskies, and I'll let you preview, which could be the game of the week. I mean, potentially this could be the best out of all eight games. Who knows what will happen? I'm sure we're going to get spoiled by a bunch this weekend. But on this paper. Going to be 118 to 115 in triple overtime. Okay, I'm, I'm getting away from it. But since Gonzaga, I'll say this: since Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's, they have been on an absolute tear. Now, you know, beating BYU, beating some team. You know, I mean, they don't have a bunch of great wins. TCU solid win. You know, don't get me wrong. I think that's really solid. Um, they, they turn right around and, and wall up St. Mary's uh, for beating them, for even, you know, trying to challenge them this year in the the WCC. Um, and then the team that beat them, um, Loyola Marymount, I mean, they freaking, <laughs> they destroyed them, 106, 108 to 65. I mean, look at these scores, uh, 99, 88, 108, 97, 97, random 77. 104, like they are getting up. I mean, that's that's not that great. They scored 80 points in both the you know the, the tournament games. That's not the craziest thing for for that team, that program. They score a lot of points. We we know that. Um, but when you look at you know Ukula, UCLA, aka UCLA, they've been on a tear too. And you know they in that era, like you said, they they were a little banged up, but that you know they sat some players, almost won against Arizona close. So, I mean, you know, they lost at Arizona. I think they had those, yeah, they had those back-to-back games where they lost at Arizona, at USC, but they've only lost one game since then. And, and the experience, the all-around, I just think they're a better team this year. I just think I, I think they can win in, in more ways. They can definitely defend the half court. You know, you've mentioned that a couple of times. The half court, no doubt about it. Um, and they can win ugly, and that's something that I'd say that some West Coast teams can't always do. Gonzaga, I'm looking at you as well. Um, now, could this be randomly the year that Gonzaga kind of sneaks up on people and like, hey, by the way, we're not a one or two seed, but we're going to win the whole thing, even though two years ago a lot of people thought they'd win a few years before that. They thought they'd win the whole thing. I could see that, but I'm picking Ukula. To win this game, and I'm not, like I said, I don't want to keep saying overtime, but this is going to be a fun-ass game, and it's like first to 80-something, I think, first to 80 or whatever, because I do think UCLA is a better defensive team. That, that's that's pretty hands down, but Gonzaga, man, it seems like they're motivated, and they're kind of under the radar. I know they're a third seed, but a lot of times they're a number one or number two, so they're kind of under the radar, especially these last few years where they were one of the strong favorites, clearly, and then they dropped the ball. But um, with that said, I'm going to Ukula, and obviously I'm a little biased, too, because I did pick Ukula 
to the final four. So my only thing for this game is the fact that because <clears throat> you've heard a lot of talk about how San Diego is losing their uh, that Clark is their best defender, and then their other guys center's a little banged up. I think that if UCLA is healthy, I completely back you. I'm taking them to win because I think they're a more complete team. <clears throat> and from what I've watched Gonzaga play this year, I don't think their guard play is what it usually is for them, in my opinion. And uh, Drew Timmy's not going to, like, walk through UCLA. Like, he's a good player, but, like, some of these lesser-level schools, he can dominate a game, and that's what they had to do against St. Mary's. And from what I saw, I, I, he, he ain't going to just walk in and beat UCLA with, like, without the help. So I think the UCLA is a better team. Obviously, if losing the Clark was a huge piece, we'll see it get exposed now. But I will, I'll be with you. I'll take UCLA. I think that they're able to scrape it out, and again, which should be an absolute battle. And that would leave me with UCLA against UConn, and I will take the Huskies to sneak in out of the Big East and knock off UCLA that there's a, a Big East team going to the Final Four, and somehow it's going to be from the uh, – University of Connecticut. So, yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of a shocker here, but I'll take UConn to knock off UCLA. Do you have two of them going? I, 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 yeah, I, hell, I got I got UConn and uh, right. Creighton, and then I also have um, Sparty and right. and Houston. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that would be, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. I got UCLA. I don't know if I said that or not, but I do have UCLA. So I got Bama, K-State, Texas, and Oklahoma to get it done. One from the SEC, one from the uh, Pac-12, and then two. I'm, you're going all in on the Big East. I'm going all in on the Big 12. Amen. Well, I, you know, and they, they, they say they do a thing where the, the over-under of uh, the teams to make the final four, like their seeds collectively, is like over-under 12.5 from Vegas. I would definitely be over the 12 and a half. <laughs> Hell, Arkansas is an eight. Sparty's a two. That's 15 right there. <laughs> I suppose Houston's 16. And for Creighton, those listening yeah, at home, you are responsible 20. for your own bets, okay? You yes. do not have to listen to us do this whole thing. No, but I, I don't know, man. This thing's playing out. This thing's playing out a certain way. So we – wait a second. We oh, – so we both have one. Okay, yeah, we both have one one seed. You have Houston, I have Bam. So yeah, yes. one one seed. Okay, that'd be dope, dude. Any that of this was, combo would be great. Well, I'm pretty sure the 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 overall consensus in Vegas was over under two and a half one seats because, sadly, the last time a one seed didn't win the NCAA tournament is you have to rewind to a team called Villanova who um, upset some team from Carolina. Um, so it's it's been a minute uh, since the one seed has not won the March Madness tournament, a, a tournament I would care not to remember. But, yeah, Villanova's last one to do it, and that was six, seven years ago. So we're I think we're spoiled. And the, to, to wrap up the show, I, the, the point I heard is that I don't think we're going to go back to the days where it's just the straight chalk of, like, the one, I mean the one sometimes, but like the two, threes, and four seeds all being your straight chalk, like those days are gone. Like I, so the point of like a 13 or 14 seed making a, a, a sweet 16, like I don't think we're going to revert back to how it was when we were younger, Chris, to where you could pretty much assume that all the top four seeds were going to probably make the sweet, like those days are gone, which makes basketball even more fun. And for yeah, those like the schools, final four, you'd have to put, it'd have to be a top a lot of the times it felt like top three seeds would get in, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe I remember. get a lingering guy, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I, I remember feeling like pretty like ballsy because I remember when I did a bracket with some friends, when, I think my first year of college, I had like a one, a two, and like a four seed. But that four seed, I remember it was Louisville with Francisco Garcia. That like won me my bracket with like 40 people because it's like, dude, you put a, you had a four seed when you're like region? Like, you know. Like, right, I, like it's, they can make it, the Elite Eight, but come on. Yeah, yeah. So, Let's get real. And then just for two quick pieces of news, Ed Cooley, my favorite coach yeah. in probably basketball, he is going now to Georgetown. So he's saying the Big East. And Slick Rick Patino is oh, now leaving Iona. This is my last job. This is my last job. Yeah. 
This is my last job. I'm not leaving Iona. This is my this is my home now. Oh, by the way, I got an opportunity. Rick Petito's going to St. John's. Their team I love in the Big East. So, man, Georgetown, if, if you're this a Georgetown fan. go back fan, to the 80s, dude. I, I know. coaches in the Big East more now, even it, more now. It, and so, Georgetown and St. John's, I know they've been teams who have been a little lackluster of late. That ain't going to go on long because Petito's a hell of a coach. Cooley gets everything can out of his kids every year. So, if you're a hater of those schools. saying on the mic, dude. He literally said, now this is it for me. This is it for me. I'm done. Uh, I own six-year contract. He literally just said it, like, not long ago, on the mic. It wasn't a hot mic. He knew it was on. He was in a fucking press conference. And and whoever goes into Providence, dude, you're getting a, a blue-collar scrappy-ass team. But, uh, you, you might have to do a little magic like Ed Cooley did. So that was some fun uh, coaching news yeah. to break out today out of the Big East. So, uh Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we have a, a bunch of great games, especially on the, the right side of your bracket. Like, all four of those games could legit come down to the last shot. Like, we're spoiled. And we had some fun high seeds, too. So, it should be a great time. Chris, I'll be back on Monday. I hope I have no nonsense meetings. <laughs> Inside joke. So, until then, enjoy, hopefully, the warm weather that's surrounding you. Enjoy the basketball suit. We'll be back on Monday. The boys are out tonight. Peace.